It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. Should pastors preach politics at the pulpit? How far should our religious views influence our political engagement and vice versa? Today, I will be speaking with Ken Kinton, a Christian author who offers a unique perspective on contemporary issues by comparing and contrasting similar issues that took place during biblical and current times. His book, Pulpit Friction, Reawakening the Church's Voice in a Political Wilderness, takes a look at the challenges facing the church today as it seeks to strive a balance between its prophetic call and the current issues causing turmoil and division. Ken, welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Terry. So, Ken, what was the inspiration for your book? Well, Terry, what inspired me was uh, I always followed uh, different churches and pastors that I've been affiliated with, and two particular instances, uh, one, the pastor had taken on a new uh, parish out west, and he'd begun inserting a lot of political discourse in his sermons, and I don't know the exact nature of it, but from what I had gathered from different uh, newsletters talking about the church's, uh, you know, current affairs and so forth, that people were beginning to be a bit anxious about it. And it worked out fine. They started having town hall meetings, and people were able to hear their concerns, and and everything, again, worked out fine. Uh, Another uh, church, uh, people had become uh, politically divided over, uh, you know, our current president, over and against, uh, you know, more progressive points of view, and uh, a lot of people had left the church uh, because of the uh, the tension they felt when they came to church that they were always being uh, proselytized about a certain political worldview. So those kind of things uh, got me thinking, you know, how can we as pastors and also as uh, church members, uh, you know, discuss politics without becoming disagreeable and, you know, making sure that everybody's voice is heard and all people's concerns are uh, attended to. So uh, that was really the basis for the book, Terry. Yeah, so Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit bringing unity to the body of Christ and that unity being... Um, part of the, the body's witness to the world. Um, but in today's political climate um, and in the world we live in, it, it seems like it's much easier to be divided than united. Um, it, what, what sort of perspective do we need to keep in mind when we discuss uh, potentially sensitive issues like politics in our churches? One thing that uh, I talk about when I just preach uh, not so much to focus on uh, 
the stagecraft, and what I mean by that is the political theater. If you've noticed the different hearings that uh, Congress and the Senate have had uh, for uh, Supreme Court judges or uh, different appointments to uh, the President's cabinet, uh, it's interesting to see the, uh, the dialogue that takes place and try to sift and discern, you know, what is fact and, and what is just hyperbole. And uh, what my whole uh, thrust of the book is, is to take a more evaluative approach to uh, looking at politics. Uh, for example, Jesus in uh, Luke 20, verses 20 to 26, is questioned by the Pharisees regarding paying the tribute tax to, to Caesar. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus turns the tables on him and asks a question of his own. He asks, whose co- uh, image is on this coin? And the Pharisees said, it's Caesar's. And Jesus says, well, then pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and pay to God what is God's. Jesus doesn't necessarily directly answer the question, but what he does is he causes the person asking the question to evaluate what is takes precedence, what Caesar's concerns are or what God's concerns are. Hmm. Jesus knew that Caesar was the emperor, but Jesus also understood that the emperor serves at the pleasure of God. Caesar had responsibilities. He had to ensure that roads were built and maintained. He had to uh, build and maintain gymnasiums, aqueducts, uh, public baths. All these public conveyances had to be upkept for the uh, Roman citizens. But Jesus, again, is letting these people know the Caesar is still responsible to God. His image may be on the coin, but he is not God. He may imagine himself as a, you know, lowercase God, but mm-hmm. capital letter God is our Heavenly Father. Sure. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you missed part of this show or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we've been speaking with Ken Kinton, author of Pulpit Friction, about ways in which we can discuss politics um, in our churches uh, within their proper context and with a biblical perspective. So... Uh, in light of the the challenges um, and the difficulties uh, that are inherent in discussing politics uh, within our churches, can cards on the table? Should pastors preach politics at the pulpit? I would say no. Not directly speaking of political uh, points of view. I think again we need to be teaching. Uh, our congregants, again, how to look at things with a balanced approach, to look at things uh, that aren't such hot-button issues. Uh, take, for example, abortion, uh, euthanasia. These are really uh, 
charged issues that deal with people's lives and, and death. And I think those kind of things can, if they aren't handled properly, can divide people rather than bring them together. What I suggest is pastors can talk about things such as uh, Jesus' preferential option for the poor. You know, what did Jesus say about uh, people? It's more difficult for a rich person to get to heaven than it is for somebody who's poor. And what is Jesus' stance on the marginalization of minorities? Back in Jesus' time, women, uh, children, people of other nationalities that weren't uh, Jewish, those people were looked down upon and even shunned. But, and you might say that was the beginning of identity politics. Identity politics uh, can be very divisive. You know, one thing that I, I think the people that who uh, espouse identity politics forget is that we're all created by God in His image. And there's no privilege. There's I understand secularly that people feel that there's privilege. But in God's sight, nobody is more privileged than anyone else. And I think that, has, that point has to be driven home constantly. Um, so I'm going to push back just a tiny bit here, Ken. Um, but okay. I, I agree with you that, that Jesus, um, did specifically, uh, attempt to address through his ministry, um, unequal treatment, uh, of the poor and, and minority groups. Um, but his ministry also, I think was controversial. It, it did divide people and, and it, it seems like, um, you know, it divided uh, Jews and Gentiles, and and it put the Pharisees at, at odds with, um, you know, the non-religious class. Um, and and there was there's some sort of balance here um, that I'm interested in exploring with you um, of how to, I suppose, put it succinctly, like speak truth in love, like how to how to not discard truth. Uh, because we value love and to not speak truth in a way that does not uh, embrace love. Does the question make sense? Yes. Uh, what I think we uh, need to do, one time I was in a, uh, a men's Bible study, and uh, one of the men in the group had related a encounter he had with a person at his workplace who was uh, of the LGBTQ community. And he proceeded to talk about how he had called this individual out in front of the whole uh, workplace. And he got done and uh, talking, and I asked him a question, and he said, what question is that? I say, well, do you think Jesus would have humiliated that person the way you did? Hmm. That's a good question. Coming up, we will talk further with Ken Kinton, author of Pulpit Friction, We Await Reawakening the Church's Voice in a Political Wilderness, about the church's participation in politics. I'm Terry Liu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
you ever thought of Jesus as a lawyer? Sometimes he used the law to make a difference, and so must we. In Jesus in the Courtroom, John Mott shows you how you can engage the legal system for the good of his world. Jesus in the Courtroom shows you how to get involved in issues like abortion, religious freedom, and much more. If you're concerned for your community, read Jesus in the Courtroom. More at JesusInTheCourtroom.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock & Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Ken Kinton, author of Pulpit Friction, Reawakening the Church's Voice in a Political Wilderness, about uh, an approach to discussing politics uh, or the decision of whether to discuss politics uh, within the church setting. Uh, before the break, Ken, uh, you were sharing a story about an interaction uh, between two people? Yes. The story I was sharing, uh, I was attended a men's Bible study several, several years ago, and one individual was relating a story how he had confronted an LGBTQ person at his workplace, and during the course of this confrontation, he uh, ridiculed this person in front of the whole uh, the whole workforce. And I asked him uh, quietly, I said, "Do you think that was the approach that Jesus would have used?" And he admitted that it certainly wouldn't be the approach that Jesus used, and he said that he wish he would have thought better of it and treated this person with dignity and, and respect in spite of his disagreement with his sexual orientation. And I think that's a good lesson for all of us because, you know, we live in a world where it's, it's quick to rush to judgment before giving another person a, a chance to, uh, you know, provide their viewpoint. And so I think those kind of things are, are quite helpful in being teachable moments for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you mentioned in the first segment, Ken, that, that there are these sort of hot-button issues that are really difficult to discuss in church without causing division. Um, should we just sort of blanketly avoid discussing hot-button issues because they're difficult to discuss within the church setting? I think you have to take the times when those are appropriate discussions. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to know when those times are. Sure. But I think we can always talk about things uh, currently going on. Uh, one issue that comes to mind for me is citizenship. And I'm reminded of Paul's uh, Paul had dual citizenship. He was uh, a Jew, he was a Pharisee, but he was also a Roman citizen. And if we study uh, Roman citizenship, back in Paul's time, that was a very prestigious thing to have. And if we look at Acts 22, Paul has a confrontation with his jailer who was about to uh, give him a flogging as punishment. But Paul invokes his Roman citizenship, and the jailer uh, withdraws from 
from giving him that punishment. But it's interesting because Paul doesn't invoke his citizenship until it's a uh, appropriate time or opportune time for him. But that also uh, begs the question for us, how is citizenship important for us? You know, do we talk about our faith only when it's convenient? Or do we uh, share our faith even when it's uncomfortable or it can be uh, even hazardous? And, and I think those are interesting things to consider. And I think Roman citizenship, uh, Paul compares it to heavenly citizenship. And if we go back to that story I talked about uh, Jesus and uh, rendering things that are Caesar's and rendering to things that are uh, of God that are God's, and if we can sort of draw that whole evaluation process, you know, are we willing to uh, claim our faith even in the face of adversity and even oppression? So I think those are things that we can always talk about, and I think those are good things. You know, politics isn't always something that people are comfortable with, and and in a lot of ways, our faith is something we're not comfortable with either. Mm-hmm. But we can sort of get some uh, perspectives from that and how we are to uh, conduct our lives as Christians. How should our faith guide our political discourse? I think we should be able to see all sides uh, of a political debate. Uh, I think we need to approach it apolitically. You know, we don't want to come down on either the left or the right. We need to come down where Jesus would have come down. And that is all sides are are valuable. Every voice needs to be heard. Hmm. And, And how do we go about striking that balance? I think it's going to take people getting their feelings hurt until they learn that they need to to listen. Part of the best thing of being a good conversationalist is to be a good listener. And I think people need to learn the skill of listening. Jesus listened. Jesus listened to people's concerns. Mm -hmm. You know, blind people came up to him. Lepers came up to him. You know, he didn't need to, to help them. But he listened. He listened you know, compassionately, and he listened attentively. But he also uh, looked at the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus, you know, chastised her for being married several times, and in fact, the man that she was living with wasn't her husband. But he didn't uh, condemn her. He told her, you know. To to go and to sin no more. And not that we want to beat people up with sin, illness, and those type of things, but we also need to be able to listen to people. Because there are a lot of people that are out there hurting, and they don't have anyone to listen to them. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you have questions about the potential implications of bringing politics into your church, there's a church legal checklist on our website. Download it for free at mockbaker.com. Today, we've been speaking with Ken Kinton, author of Pulpit Friction, Reawaking the Church's Voice in a Political Wilderness. 
about the importance of listening to one another. Uh, so Ken, um, I'm part of a, a church plant in the Uptown neighborhood, and a couple weeks ago, um, we had the privilege of, of helping to host two events. Uh, there was a racial reconciliation uh, panel uh, Monday that week, and then on Friday, uh, we uh, met with a local uh, police precinct of the Chicago Police Department uh, at a park nearby the church. Um, and we invited people uh, at the racial reconciliation panel to come to the picnic, and they told us, you know, there's no way we're going to go uh, to a picnic with the police. And, and when we mentioned the racial reconciliation panel um, at the police picnic, you know, people basically said, yeah, that, that's not something I would feel comfortable at. Um, with, with the importance of listening, um, how, do we, how do we get people in a room together with different perspectives uh, to talk and listen to one another? We have to uh, let them have ownership of the event or, or the, in other words, they have to be able to voice their concerns. And I think, and, and I think that the problem that we have today in our country is, is trust. You know, people, we just don't trust each other. And I, and I don't know how, there's, there's no easy answer to that. Trust is something that is just, it, it just has to be consistently uh, reinforced and it has to be proven. You know, people have to earn people's trust. It just isn't, you can't say trust me and just expect people to, to follow. They, they have to see, see the trust in action. What sort of role can a church play in helping to build trust within a community? I think the church has to get out into the public square. You know, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, there was a story one time that he had an apprentice, and he told the apprentice that they were going to spend the whole day preaching. And the young apprentice was all excited, and St. Francis went out into the into Assisi, and he was talking to all the different uh, vendors and merchants and shopkeepers. And at the end of the day, they went back to the, the monastery, and the apprentice said, well, Francis, we were supposed to spend all day preaching. And Francis, St. Francis said, we did. We talked to the shopkeeper. We talked to the vendor. We talked to the various people in the town. We have to have a conversation with people. We can't preach down to them or preach at them. We have to meet them at their level, uh, face-to-face and eye-to-eye and heart-to-heart. Uh, I think they can smell inauthentic people. It was like radar. They can sense it right away. And, and trust is something you have to develop. It, it just doesn't happen overnight. Makes sense. Ken, thanks for speaking with us today. How can people get a hold of your book? Uh, it's available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and also through my publisher, WestboldPress.com. Perfect. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at MockBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. If you have questions about the potential implications of bringing politics into your church, there's a church legal checklist on our website. Download it for free at mockbaker.com. 
Also, you can visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.